Have I lost friends because of my beliefs? Which cities are on my travel bucket list? What do I think about MLMs? Also a hilarious would you rather. All on today's episode of Relatable, which is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. All right, we've got another Q&A for you today. A variety of questions as always, some more serious than others. Thanks so much for submitting these. All right, one of the questions is what are your favorite recipes? So one of my resolutions or goals at the beginning of the year was to be more creative and more intentional, if you will, about what I cook for dinner. I would say since my husband and I got married, it's just been a meat and two sides. So we would do chicken, we would do beef, we would do turkey, arrange it in some very simple way, and then have maybe one starch and one vegetable when we were super healthy. We should probably go back to this. When we first got married, it was always two vegetables. It was always like carrots and then squash and then like ground turkey. Gross. And yet we didn't care. That's what that's what we ate. And so we've basically done something like that for the past seven or so years. But this year I was like, you know what? I want to get a little bit more creative. And so I got a couple cookbooks. I got a defined dish cookbook. This person has a ton of followers because she does a lot of, I don't do whole 30 but Whole30 type recipes, healthier recipes, swaps, like she has a lot of kid recipes that she swaps clean ingredients for, like chicken nuggets, like grain-free chicken nuggets or something like that. And so I decided that I was going to follow some recipes in her cookbook. Also, I follow Half-Baked Harvest. I follow a lot of different recipe people, (laughs) a lot of different, I don't know, food influencers on Instagram, and I try to take some of their recipes. And so I do that. I will follow recipes. The problem is for me is that I have untreated attention deficit disorder and have my whole life. So when I read a recipe and they're like, this is so simple, you will be able to do this in 35 minutes. I'm like, okay, well, two hours later, I am still waiting for it to finish. So that is because, I mean, that's because of a lot of things. That's because like while you're cooking, you never have your undivided attention on what you're actually doing in the kitchen because you've got your kids asking you a million questions and, you know, pulling your attention in different directions and plus all the other things that I'm like trying to do while I'm cooking, like answer messages, whatever it is. Um, And so it takes me a long time to follow actual recipes. So I don't do it as much as I was doing it at the beginning of the year because of that, because I'm like, who has time for that? So now I've kind of taken inspiration from like the fine dish, half-baked harvest, and I've I've decided that there are some recipes that I will just put on rotation and that I will make as easy as possible. So one thing that I do probably once a week is make tacos, or you can make quesadillas. It's basically the same thing, just depends on how you like mush the tortilla down and cut it. But I will take the Siete, which is grain-free. It's a grain-free brand tortillas. So whether that's almond flour, 
or uh, cassava flour. Is that how you pronounce that? And you put some oil on a pan and you warm, you warm it up. You warm up the tortilla. You put cheese on it. This is what I do. I go ahead and I put cheese on it and then you fill it. You take it off the pan and then you fill it with whatever you want to, whether that's the ground beef that you just browned or whether that's fajita chicken. I get all this stuff from Good Ranchers and I put it in the taco and then I usually make guacamole on my own, which is super, super easy. Takes like two seconds and then maybe some pico de gallo, which I like the pre-mixed kind from Kroger and some maybe some more cheese or some sour cream. Some people do non-fat or not non-fat Greek yogurt, plain Greek yogurt is what I was going to say, and whatever else you want on the top. And you can spice the meat to your liking and all that good stuff. Now, that legitimately takes about 15 minutes. Browning beef is so easy. So I like to use beef rather than chicken because chicken just takes a little bit longer. But that is one recipe that I always do. Also, I like making pasta with olive oil, goat cheese, usually some kind of like mixture of spices. And then I really like the provincial blend of frozen vegetables from Whole Foods. And after you cook that on the stovetop, which takes like four minutes, you put that in your pasta and then you add some chicken. You can also add some pesto to that. Uh, So I'm all about easy. I also really love carbs. I don't always do grain-free. Sometimes I do grain-free. So sometimes I'll do like chickpea noodles or something like that. Um, Yeah, tacos, pasta, I like sweet potatoes, regular potatoes. I'll make some mashed potatoes sometimes, chicken, steak. My husband is the one who makes the steak. I'm not very good at making steak. He's really good at that. So I don't know if that helps you at all. The taco recipe, I hope, comes in handy because it's so easy. I'm all for ease. I really would like the preparation to take under 45 minutes. Otherwise, I just get so distracted. All right. uh, Next question. What is the strangest pro-choice encounter you've ever had? Um, I've probably had several bizarre ones in my DMs, just people not making good arguments and then getting really emotional when you just logically kind of push back on them or ask them questions, call you an extremist or a fascist, you know, just name call things like that. And it really comes from a place of insecurity. But maybe the most bizarre was probably when I had Brandon Robertson on this show who considers himself a progressive pro-LGBTQ, pro-choice pastor. And um, him simply not being able to say that a baby is actually a human, a baby inside the womb, before the arbitrary number of 24 weeks, but him being completely unable and unwilling to actually logically and scientifically back up that argument and just seeing the stubbornness in going around in circles and, again, just the flimsiness of that argument. Actually, you know, I don't even know if that's the most bizarre. Maybe the strangest was probably when I was testifying before Congress in 2019 as the only pro-life witness. I was sitting next to an abortionist and these other so-called reproductive rights activists. And I was going back and forth with some Democratic legislators. And I was, in t- I was nervous about this beforehand. I don't get nervous about speaking in front of people, but I had never spoken in front of Congress before. And you're thinking, okay, yeah, I don't like these Democrats. I don't believe what they believe, but they're going to have more sophisticated arguments. They're going to be difficult to go up against. And it was only difficult because they don't let you talk. It's not difficult because any of these Democrats actually had a sophisticated argument. I actually realized that all of them 
are on the same level of argumentation when it comes to abortion as your average Twitter troll. Like they're not smarter, they're not more well-spoken, they don't have better logic, they don't have different facts to back themselves up, they don't have a more sound or consistent moral compass. I mean, the same silly things that you hear from randos on Facebook about why abortion is okay, you hear from Democrats in Congress. And so I don't know if that comforts you. It kind of comforted me, at least in the moment, because I was nervous until they started talking that I was like, oh, you are actually dumb when it comes to this. And I'm not intimidated by you at all. But it kind of makes you sad. I mean, these are the people that we've elected. These are supposed to be our moral and intellectual betters. And they literally can't co up, come up with a coherent argument for the thing that they say that they must champion at all costs. It's wild. It's really sad. And I would like to have a formidable opponent on this. Like, I would like to have an interesting debate, an interesting discussion with someone who will actually challenge the arguments intellectually and philosophically. I have not met that yet. And I guess that's bizarre to me, just the willingness to hold on to a position that is morally and logically untenable. So there's that. Okay, here's a good would you rather. (laughs) Uh, uh, Would you rather have avocados for hands? I don't know if this is cut open or just like avocados as they are. Avocados for hands or trade brains with Joe Biden. Okay, if I, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I traded brains with Joe Biden, does that mean that I am really president? Does that mean that my brain goes into Joe Biden's brain and his body remains president, but he is thinking like a based person? Like he actually has good ideas and he can talk and he is pushing policies that are much better for the country than the ones that he's pushing right now. So if I basically take, if I am becoming, if by trading brains with Joe Biden, like the country is getting me as president, okay, that would, it would be really weird. It would really freak me out to be in Joe Biden's body, but it, that's a sacrifice I'd be willing to make for the good of the country. Now, I feel really bad for my family that now they have like a 90-year-old Civil War veteran in their home. (laughs) I feel bad for my husband that he is now in one way or another married to Joe Biden. But again, thinking about the future of the world, not that I ever want to be president. I think there's about one million and one people in America that would be better for the job than me, maybe not a million, less than that, but a significant number. But if it's me or Joe Biden, it's definitely me. That's a better pick. So I don't know. I might want, I don't want to have Joe Biden's brain. I would love for Joe Biden to have my brain. So um, yeah, I definitely don't want avocados for hands though. So there's, there's that. All right, time to tell you about one of my favorite sponsors because it's one of my favorite companies, and that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. The reason this is one of my favorite companies is because I am wearing Carly Jean Los Angeles almost every single day. Today is a rare day that I'm not wearing it because I happen to be wearing my own merch from my merch store. But when I'm not wearing my own merch, I am wearing Carly Jean because their clothes just fit so well. They make me feel good in my body, whether I'm postpartum or almost nine months pregnant, as I am as I'm recording this 
this right now or neither of those. I can wear their clothes in every stage of life. It simplifies and minimizes my closet, but it also gives me a lot of variation because I can mix and match all of the basics that they offer. Really high quality stuff. Their basics line is all made in the US. Plus, this is a company that unapologetically shares our Christian pro-life value. So you can feel really good about supporting them. Plus, you're going to look great in their clothes. Go to Carly Jean Los Angeles.com. Use code AllieB at checkout for 25, 20% off, 20% off. Uh, Carly Jean Los Angeles.com, code AllieB. Carly Jean Los Angeles.com, code AllieB. Um, have I lost friends because of my beliefs? So hard to find other conservative millennials. Yes, I agree. That's part of why I named this podcast what I did, not because it's relatable for everyone or even close to a majority of people, but because it's relatable for the people that I want to reach, people like me, people who are thinking through issues the way that I am and need to realize that we're not crazy and that we're not alone. Um, I have lost friends and it has not been because, and this is typical with conservatives and progressives, Not it's not always this way, but it tends to be this way. It's not because of me. It's not because I let go of their relationship or I said something that was rude or I said I can't tolerate you as a friend anymore because we don't believe the same things. Um, it's because they felt that way, whether it was because of Trump or whether it's it, really the one that I'm thinking of was because of abortion. Um, someone that was in my wedding who decided to make her um, her opinions about my opinions or my stance on abortion public for no reason. And when I reached out to this person privately to say, you know, you can talk to me. You can talk to me about these disagreements. I never heard from that person again, ever. And looking back, I now, there there were signs like in call, like this person was not a very nice or kind person um, at all. And actually like our friendship was fraught with, with her kind of I don't know, antics, resentment, not being a good friend. Um, and so I probably should have known better and had better discernment. And so maybe it's in some ways the Lord protecting me, but I won't pretend like that wasn't hurtful. And there, I mean, there have been other friends uh, over the years, even people who consider themselves conservative, who decided that they were going to like veer to the left when it came to the George Floyd stuff. And again, it wasn't me that decided, hey, I can't be friends with you. But these people making public disagreements known, and then when I tried to talk to them privately, refusing to do so. Um, so it hasn't been a lot. I'll say that. It hasn't been a lot. But it's been a couple. It's been a few. And every time it happens, of course, it hurts, especially when you make an effort to kind of humble yourself and talk to that person and to build a bridge and they just refuse it makes you really wonder, okay, were we ever really friends? And so some of you have been there, not just with friends, but also with family members. And it sucks. Like, it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to feel that kind of rejection. Even if, like, you weren't that close to the person, it's really hard to feel rejection over the things that you believe. Especially those of you who maybe you were raised pro-choice or progressive and you've become conservative or you became a Christian and the people who are not Christians in your life, they really reject you. That hurts. But remember that, I mean, we do serve a God who became flesh and was rejected here on earth. And at the end of the day, if we're standing up for the life of babies inside the womb, if we're standing up for the biblical and biological definition of gender and for women's rights based on that biblical and biological definition, like if we are standing up 
for what God calls marriage. If we are standing up for those things, those are not really political issues. Those are biblical issues. And so what they're mad at is us being Christians, not necessarily our politics, not all the issues, but when it comes to those big ones that tend to be the wedges in our relationship, it's really not because of your politics. It's actually just because of your Christianity. And if that's the case, if what you're standing for is biblically good and true, then we have someone we can relate to in Christ who was rejected here on earth, who faced that kind of betrayal, even from a friend who spent uh, days upon days with him, who saw the most intimate parts of his life, meaning Judas. And so he can sympathize with our weaknesses and with our pain there. If the world hates us, it's because the world hated Jesus first. Um, So just keep that in mind. And I'm not saying all criticism because of your politics is the same as Jesus being rejected. But again, I'm talking about standing for the things that are biblical, which very often we are. Being rejected for that, as much as it hurts, is absolutely worth it. And the people who are rejecting you because of that, it's because they're lost. But I'm also like hopeful because I get a lot of people who reach out to me and are like, I did not like your podcast at first. I actually hate listened to your podcast or a friend shared your podcast and I begrudgingly listened and I didn't like anything that you had to say. It rubbed me the wrong way or I didn't agree with you on abortion or whatever it is, but these other things happened in my life or I became a Christian or things changed or over time, whatever it is. And they come back and humbly say, you know, I actually think that you're right about this now. And I always appreciate that. So don't think that those people are written off forever, that you're always going to be at odds with them. They may change their heart and mind. God may do that. And maybe a conversation that you had with them at some point may be something that planted a seed. You just never know. Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, Thoughts on MLMs and the Christian women who sell their products. So I actually did a whole episode on this and uh, we'll link it in the description because I did it a couple years ago or a few years ago, maybe in 2020. And here's the thing with MLMs is that I'm very familiar with MLMs. I do not have necessarily anything against multi-level marketing in general. I think a lot of multi-level marketing is a pyramid scheme. So you're just, I always think of that scene in the office where Jim has to show Michael that the business plan that he has is actually a pyramid scheme by actually drawing a triangle around um, Michael's lesson. But I think a lot of them are pyramid schemes and a lot of them just make the people at the top very rich and they exploit working class and poor people by saying, you're gonna gain financial freedom, you're gonna get all of this stuff. And really, they can't attain the goals that they say that they'll be able to reach easily. And meanwhile, they're buying the products or doing the things that are just making the people who are already in the business who are at the top of the business richer. I don't think that's every multi-level marketing business though. And I don't think that all or even the majority of people who are a part of multi-level marketing companies are these conniving, manipulative people. I do know people who engage in multi-level marketing who have been able to make extra income for their family, who have gained some kind of some more stability or financial freedom from selling makeup or selling products, whatever it is, in multi-level marketing companies. So I don't think it's 
innately sinful. I don't think it's satanic or anything like that. I think the hatred of all MLMs is kind of unreasonable in a lot of ways and, and really misplaced. I do think that there are wrong and dangerous MLMs that function kind of like a cult and certainly a pyramid scheme. I also think that there is a wrong way to share about your business. And I think that's really what rubs people the wrong way. When someone reaches out to them and the person reaching out pretends to be doing it in a relational way, pretends to be doing it in a caring way, um, tries to build a relationship and a friendship with that person with the express purpose of trying to get them to buy a product or try to get them to join their business, that is always going to damage that relationship. Now, if it just comes up organically, or I think if you're just outright and you're like, I think you would really enjoy this product, you would, you should check it out. I think that's honest. I think it is actually a lie. It is actually very deceitful. I do think it is sinful to pretend to be building a relationship with someone when really the only reason you're doing that is to try to make money off of them. That's wrong. And I do think that happens really with any kind of sales, but certainly with multi-level marketing. There was actually a few years ago. So we were new to the area. We joined a church. There was a young couple who came up to us. They were very outgoing. They were very sweet. We were like, my husband and I, this was before we had kids and we were looking for Christian community. We were like, oh my gosh, this is the Lord. This is like, he's bringing this couple into our lives. It's so sweet. And they were so, they were so nice. They would reach out to us. And then we kind of stopped hearing from them. Actually, I don't remember if it was because we didn't go back to that church, but or what what happened? I think maybe we got together with them once, but a couple weeks later, um, she she called me. The one of the the girl in the couple called me and she was like, Hey, I just wanted to see how you're doing. Like, how can I be praying for you? I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is random, but I'm so I'm like talking to her about my life. And then all of a sudden, like her husband comes on the phone and they start selling me on their multi-level marketing company. And I'm like, oh, I thought that this was an, I thought you cared. Like, I thought that you were reaching out to me because you wanted to be friends with me and the Lord had put you on my, on your heart or put me on your heart or something. But really, you're just trying to recruit us into your business. We never talked to them again. Totally rubbed us the wrong way. And I'm someone who like is okay with that kind of hustle and things like that as long as it's honest. But that was dishonest. That was wrong. That was almost a form of emotional and spiritual manipulation, which I think can exist in some of these MLMs. So that's what I'll say. I don't think multi-level marketing is innately sinful. I think that there is a way to do it that can be good for your family, that can be wise, that can be glorifying to the Lord, that can maybe even be helpful in your friendships and building community. I think there's a way to do it that is really selfish and really manipul uh, manipulative and really wrong. Maybe like all things, but I do think that there is more of a temptation more of a propensity towards that in multi-level marketing. So I'm not saying avoid it at all costs. I'm just saying be careful. Okay, I'm excited to tell you guys about Every Life. This is a pro-life diaper company. Now you'd think that every diaper company would be pro-life. But tragically, there are diaper companies, maybe some of your favorite diaper companies that actually support 
abortion. And so if you don't want to be a part of that, then get your diapers from Every Life. They're great diapers. They're made without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. So none of that gross stuff. Plus, you're supporting a company that actually supports the sanctity of life. If you go to everylife.com, you use code ALLY10, you can get 10% off your first order today. But also you can purchase their Buy for a Cause bundle. Their Buy for a Cause bundle is sent for free to mothers in need who have chosen life for their children. And so it includes diapers and wipes, all those critical items that you need in that newborn stage. Go to everylife.com, use code ALLY10 for 10% off your order. Everylife.com, code ALLY10. What cities are on your bucket travel list? So I studied abroad in Scotland in college. And so I got to travel a lot of Europe then. But crazily enough, I think because I thought I'm close to Ireland, I'll definitely visit it at some point in the five months that I'm over here. And then I never did. So I would love to go to Northern Ireland. I would love to go to Ireland. I would love for my husband and I to do that one day. I know it's beautiful. And even the cities, I I would love to, I'd love to go there. So I want to go to Belfast. I want to do like a C.S. Lewis tour in Belfast. I would love to go to Dublin, but I'd also love to just go to the other parts of Ireland that are really beautiful. I'd love to go back to Scotland. I love Edinburgh love Edinburgh, Scotland. I would love to go back there, take my husband there, but I'd also love to go back to the Scottish Highlands. I've always wanted to go to Greece. Um, I've never been to Greece. I've always wanted to do that. There are different parts of um, of Italy that I would like to go to. I went to several cities in Italy when I was over in Europe, but I um, I there are others that I would like to go to. I've never been to, I know you said cities, but now I'm thinking of countries. Um, Australia and New Zealand. My husband's been there. I've never been there. So lots of places I would like to go. I'm sorry, but I really don't have a desire to go to Asia. I just don't. I never have. Uh, my husband has been to China. He spent like two weeks in China in college. Um, I'm not sure that he would say he necessarily recommends it. Although I know a lot of you have traveled there and you've liked it. That's just not really on my bucket list. So lots of places. There are lots of places in the United States I actually haven't been. I don't think I've ever been to Oregon. Um, so maybe there, <laughs> some city there. I'm not Portland. I don't think that I've ever been to Alaska. Have I ever been to the Dakotas? I don't think so. Um, I don't like the cold. So there is a limited time during the year that I would ever go to these places. So yeah, I've actually never been to Chicago either. Um, I'm sure that there are fun parts of Chicago that I would like to go to. Parts that I would also not like to go to. So it seems. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. I'm I'm definitely like a city gal. As much as I would like to be some kind of rural cow milking, chicken raising, egg plucking, cabbage raising gal, I'm just really not. I'm really a suburb girl. I love the suburbs, but I'm closer to being a city girl than I am like a farm girl. As much as I imagine that I would like to be that, the truth is I will be absolutely useless in an apocalypse. And that's just the truth of it. Um, Okay, a couple more questions. How do I personally deal with anxiety being online so much? Um, So if you look at my Twitter timeline, I am compared to other people in my industry I am not on Twitter very much. I don't tweet very much. I mean, I would say most people who do what I do, especially in conservative media, tweet, I don't know, 10 to 20 times a day. 
at least I just can't stomach it. Like I just can't be on Twitter that much. It's a I, I get on there when I want to know, okay, what's happening? What are people saying about this particular subject? So I will scroll on Twitter. I'll tweet maybe once a day. Sometimes it's like three times a week. Sometimes I'm just like taking a hiatus. Um, Instagram is in general more lighthearted content, although there's plenty of stuff to make us mad there. I'm not going to say that social media doesn't give me any anxiety. It does. Certainly if I get like certain kinds of messages or comments, I start just like worrying not about backlash, but just about like safety and things like that. And so of course there's some anxiety that comes with that, but I am really, I really do limit the intake of news online. I also follow on Instagram like a lot of totally non-political, non-news accounts. And I also, when I talk to my friends, uh, so I, I'm a like a voice message fiend. My friends and I, we have a lot of voice messages, a lot of video messages that we send. We're talking about life. Like we're talking about motherhood. We're talking about what's going on in the day to day. We're talking about our spiritual lives, our personal problems. We're not talking about politics. Same thing with my husband and me for the most part. He doesn't have Twitter. He's not on social media. And so I think it's that I have so much normalcy in my life. I've never wanted to live in LA or DC or New York. Like I go to a normal church. I have normal friends. And I mean like non-political, non-media. And that's most of what I focus my day on. And so I do have to talk about this and think about this stuff a lot. I mean, preparing for the podcast is a lot. And of course, I have to talk and think about this stuff. But I think I I just work really hard to balance it with a lot of normalcy and a lot of just of the mundane and the ordinary and focusing on those. Like my prayers are centered on like what's going on in my friends' lives and my family's life, in my life. It's typically not always thinking about the state of the world. And so um, – yeah, but I can definitely be an anxious person, so I have to be careful about it. Um, yeah, I have to balance it and then also just trust in the total and complete sovereignty of God in doing the next right thing. That's really all you can do. Um, what type of, okay, maybe one or two more questions. What type of workout is your favorite? High intensity, uh, high intensity interval training, orange theory type, walking, running, strength, et cetera. Interesting question. I've done all different types. I got in shape when I was in college and I definitely have not been committed to working out as much over the past four years. I used to be like super in shape and I loved CrossFit. I did orange theory for a little bit. Don't like it. I've never liked it because I don't like running. Um, but that's why I liked CrossFit and CrossFit type workouts because it was such a variety and you were moving. But I really fell in love with bar classes in 2013. And I've been doing that on and off. I did cycling for a little bit. I actually did do running for do running. I actually ran for a little bit. I ran a half marathon in college, but I love bar classes. I'm not saying that it is the superior type of workout objectively. I think that you can burn more calories and probably build more strength doing other things. Certainly I was a lot stronger when I was doing CrossFit, but I love it. And I think it's important to love your workout if you can, because you're, you'll are you just do it more. The best type of workout is the one that you will actually do. So if you will go on a walk, go on a walk. If you will cycle, cycle. If you will wake up early to go to CrossFit or to go to Orange Theory or to go to a bar class, then that's the one, that's the one that you should do. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I'll always do it. I do kind of see myself in the future 
going back to like a CrossFit type thing, maybe when I'm done having kids one day. I don't know. I love the competitive nature of CrossFit. I don't like all of the stuff. Like I'm not going to do all of the Olympic lifts. I'm just not. I am going to modify and I'm not going to feel a bit of shame or embarrassment about that at all because it just doesn't help me in life to know how to do a snatch. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want the shoulder mobility that that requires. Um, So, but I I really liked the intensity of it and the competitiveness of it. I do kind of miss that. But I love the variety and the fun that comes with bar classes. So, yeah, that's what I would say. That's what I would say. I hate rowing, hate running. So if I can avoid those two things, I'm good. All right, last question. What is your secular guilty pleasure? Mm, I don't have guilty pleasures. I don't, I'm not, I don't think that I'm guilty for any of the things that I enjoy because secular isn't sinful necessarily. The whole earth is the Lord's and everything therein. There are things that are sinful, of course, and but that isn't just because something is not explicitly Christian, does it mean that it's not glorifying the Lord or that it's not the Lord's? Like I um was just reading as I'm recording this a secular book called Hannah Coulter. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. I mean, it's as slow as molasses, but it's a sweet book. It's not necessarily about Christianity or necessarily about a Christian testimony, but it is certainly a book with uplifting themes that champions Christian virtues. It even has a couple of Bible verses in there. And so I read a lot of books like that. I read a lot of books that are not explicitly Christian. I would say almost every book that I read, especially that's a fiction book, is not explicitly Christian. And I love reading. I love fictional books. I love Christian books too. I love nonfiction books. But I think fictional books, of course, those that are not smutty and glorifying sin and all of that, um, I think that they help your creativity. I think that they help you become a better writer, a better thinker. And of course, like I love comedy. I love TV. That's not, I mean, that's not Christian. And of course, there are some things in it that are not glorifying necessarily, like The Office. I mean, they're going to have some off-color jokes. They're going to say some things that aren't necessarily found in the Bible, um, but are funny. And I do think as adults, we can kind of filter those things out. Same thing with a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. My husband and I just love comedy. Um, But you do have to kind of be discerning what you are ingesting in your mind. And I'm all for it. If you say, I don't want anything that is not explicitly Christian, I think that's great. But I do think that there's a lot of um, joy and just fun to be found in all kinds of forms of entertainment, whether or not it's explicitly Christian. So I don't feel guilty about that. Um, All right. That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you soon. Okay, related gals and related bros, let me tell y'all about Jace Medical. Jace Medical is an incredible service and the only service in the U.S. that prepares you for medical emergencies with a one-year emergency supply of antibiotics and the prescription medications that you take on a daily basis. So while we don't want to be paranoid and always fearful about the future, we don't want to spend all of our time and energy in the present. Uh, preparing for the future, we should be spending some of our resources in making sure that we 
are prepared and protected in times of crisis and catastrophe. So there are a lot of ways that we can prepare for that with food supply, water supply. But one thing that we don't often think about is having access to medications. Should there be some kind of supply chain crisis or we're in a situation where there is a shortage of the medications that we need, we should go ahead Get a year supply of all the prescription medications that you need, as well as the antibiotics that you need. It's just a good way to steward your resources and take care of your family. Go to jaysmedical.com. They'll take you through their confidential telemedicine process to get you those medications. Use code Allie at checkout. That helps the show. jaysmedical.com, code Allie. Hey guys, if you love this podcast, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks.